once we went to recommendation engines, which is what TikTok is, TikTok is largely a recommendation engine, which means you will see more content that you like that's engaging. Now flip that around. What does it mean to some marketers? Yeah, it's great to build the social following of your platforms, the subscribes to your YouTube channel, the likes to your Facebook page, whatever. But what's even more important is to create addictive, engaging, thematic content for your audience. So as social media has evolved, I would argue we're all content marketers now. It's all about content on social platforms and increasingly. And TikTok is kind of like the tail wagging the dog. It is transforming the entire social media universe by really putting this in. So now we have a new world. Content's king. Content creators are king, right? Which is a little different. And people are becoming more passive in how they consume social content. Hi, and welcome to the 91 Day Success Podcast. I am really excited today. I've got the opportunity to interview someone that you may or may not know, but Jason McDonald, who is an author, a consultant, a professor, and an expert witness, among other things. And today we're going to delve into kind of Jason's story and let Jason share some amazing nuggets with us about the things that he teaches and the things that he consults on and testifies on. And Jason, I just want to thank you for taking the time today to join us. And if we can, just as a kickoff, can you give everybody the elevator pitch a uh, 30 second overview of who is Jason McDonald. All right. Thank you for having me. It's always a great honor to, to be on any of these podcasts. And I'd like to just network and meet people. So I really thank you for the opportunity, first of all. So my personal story is a lot of zigs and zags. So I have a PhD from the University of California, Berkeley. And I'm very proud that I didn't really have a real job till I was 30. And then when I was 30, I was like, crap, I need to get a real job. This was like in 1988, was going to be a professor, like a total academia type of dude. And then I went to a job interview at Princeton and it was one of those uh, lucky things in life where it went terribly and I hated it and I hated the job interview and no shade to Princeton, I hated Princeton. And I flew back to California. I'm like, this sucks. I'm not doing this. And I think I found my entrepreneurial spirit. So I finished my PhD and everyone at Berkeley thought I was insane and they thought I had no job skills and I wanted to stay in the Bay Area. And so I started working in the media and this was right at the beginning of the internet. So I started working 93, 94, right as the internet was starting. And I was really fortunate. I worked at a media company in San Jose and that's how I got the media bug and the internet bug. And I started a tech company in 94. And so I've been lucky to be around like the birth of the internet and the birth of the media and the birth of marketing. So that's my, the nugget of how I got into this. And I actually find that a lot of things I learned in academia have been very helpful to me in terms of understanding the way the world works. So that's that the story. And then. From there, I started doing consulting in like 2008, 2009, when the economy went south, started teaching classes. I realized, hey, I know how to write books because I have an academic background. I know how to explain things. I learned a lot at Berkeley from like structural ideas. So I started teaching. I teach now for Stanford Continuing Studies. 
I write books and I do consulting and I have my hand in quite a few little cookie jars. So that's how I got into it. And I really love marketing, media, philosophy, persuasion. I love how irrational people are. I often say, I don't want to work in a profession which there's just one right answer. I like the fact that there are no right answers in marketing. I like the fuzziness and the weirdness and the craziness of the human person and psychology. So that's how I got into it. And I do lots of practical things, but yeah, I have a, uh, I have a very deep academic background actually. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. That I think brings everybody up to speed. I know I've really enjoyed reading some of your books and getting to know your things, reading your blog and all that. I know just recently you released your 2023 social media marketing workbook, and that has some great things in it. But to introduce people to that, if you would, Jason, talk to me a little bit about the difference between traditional social media platforms, you know, the classic Facebook and LinkedIn and that, and the rise of what, and I think this is a word you use when we did our pre-talk, but recommendation engines like TikTok and how social media is really changing the direction of how it, it's worked there. Can you share some insights there and maybe how that relates with your new book that came out, Jason? For sure. So one of the great things about teaching is it puts you on the spot and you have to explain things to people. And I teach these classes for Stanford every other quarter, basically. And I update my books every year. And I always, when I'm doing it, I always feel like this is insanity. Why did I sign up for this? Because everything <laughs> changes and all this kind of jazz. With that said, I try to give people a framework to understanding how like social media actually works. And I try to make it very practical. So the big framework of the book is that social media is a party and you as the marketer are the party thrower and you're throwing a party for people on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, fill in the blank network. Okay. Now within that framework, right. I like to use a lot of metaphors, like to help people understand like what the heck is going on. Okay. What is traditional social media? Traditional social media, Facebook 1.0, right? Facebook, when it created the newsfeed is I'm your friend, you're my friend. We have a friend request. We connect to each other. When you post to your timeline, it shows up in my newsfeed. Because we are connected to each other, that tells the algorithm show content between these two people. But that content really doesn't surface unless we're connected. That's the essence of a friend request on Facebook. So traditional social media required that you be connected to a person, that you follow a person on Twitter, for instance, that's traditional social media. Now flip that around as a marketer. What does that mean? That means I need to build my connections for my Facebook page, my Twitter account, my Instagram account, et cetera. I need to get people to follow me to do that. Okay. As social media matured, the algorithms became smarter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. And they started to realize if you're a dog person and you like dog content and your dog friend posts a dog video, you should see that. And if you're a dog person, and you're connected to a cat person, no shade to cats and you're not that interested. So even though you're friends with Susan and she's a cat person and she posts a cat video, don't show the video to him because he's not that interested in cats engagement. Okay. Absolutely. What? what so there's two things going on here. One, you have to be connected to the person and two, you have to be engaged in the content. What TikTok did, which destabilized the entire social media, the universe, and made all the people at Facebook and Google and you know, YouTube and all this stuff, pee their panties is TikTok 
turned this upside down and said, you know, what's really important is what kind of content people like. And so dog people like dog content, we're going to show them dog content, even from people that they are not connected to. So the recommendation engine, the AI, I don't know if you've heard of AI, it's kind of a buzzword. Oh, yeah. Artificial intelligence, right? Just remember, what is it that Genesis is Skynet? So uh, 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 you know, once we went to recommendation engines, which is what TikTok is, TikTok is largely a recommendation engine, which means you will see more content that you like that's engaging. Now flip that around. What does it mean as a marketers? Yeah, it's great to build the social following of your platforms that subscribes to your YouTube channel, the likes to your Facebook page, whatever. But what's even more important is to create addictive, engaging, thematic content for your audience. So as social media has evolved, I would argue we're all content marketers now. It's all about content on social platforms and increasingly. And TikTok is kind of like the tail wagging the dog. It is transforming the entire social media universe by really putting this in. So now we have a new world. Content's king, content creators are king, right? Which is a little different. And people are becoming more passive in how they consume social content. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of changes going on right now, largely because TikTok has revolutionized this in, in that. So that's like a quick little elevator pitch about what's going on in, in social today. And it, it very much connects to AI as well. No, and I think that's really important. I've seen that it appears that Facebook in particular, and there's obviously a YouTube and the others as well, but that they're beginning to follow TikTok's plans. Of course, there's always a delayed reaction. And I've noticed, especially on Facebook Reels, Instagram Reels, and YouTube Shorts, I'm getting a lot of content from people I've never connected never with. followed before. Don't know, but are again, topically related. Are you seeing the same thing happening, Jason? Absolutely. Everyone is seeing this. People are noticing it. And that is having a big impact. And that means that your strategy for marketing needs to be content first, engagement first, addictive, over the top content. So we're all kind of on a content rat race a bit, maybe a race to the bottom, maybe not so much. Absolutely. But, but that's the, that's like what's going on in the world of social media. Now that is interesting because that creates some new opportunities. And this is where I love TikTok. We talk about TikTok in particular, but one of the cool things about TikTok is that a, an individual TikTok can go absolutely viral and the account that is supporting it isn't that important. So that creates a lot of new opportunities. You can reach new people that have never heard of you before because of this algorithm change, because of the structural change. So it's actually a really exciting time. It's a lot of marketing is like double-edged sword. Yay, content's king. Boo. I need to create a lot of content. Yeah. Oh, crap, right? So there's an opportunity now to create engaging content and reach new people through your marketing efforts. But that means we've all got to get good content, which hashtag content is hard. Video is. Well, and you, you just mentioned AI, and I'd love to get your perspective on most of the viewers that are watching the podcast are probably well familiar now because we've talked about ChatGPT and the other things that are coming up. How do you see AI playing into this change in content, not only from a consumption side, but especially yeah. for as, as business leaders and owners, how do you see that playing in overall for what we're doing to create content? 
Yeah. So there's a lot of ways you can look at AI, a lot of things you can talk about, chat, GPT, blah, 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 right? Here's what I would put out there. Clutter. AI is going to create more clutter than ever because it is becoming easier and easier. So creating crappy content with AI is easier than ever. So mm -hmm. people are going to see more AI images, more blog posts written with Chad GPT, et cetera. So from the production, just look at it from an economic perspective, AI has lowered the cost substantially of producing content right now, written content image content, probably video content versions lowered the cost. So what do we as good marketers do whenever something becomes cheaper? We buy a lot of it. We do a lot of it. So we exactly. are going to flood the internet with more low quality, crappy, non-authentic content. So on the one hand, yeah, AI is good because you can create content more efficiently. On the other hand, from a user perspective, more clutter. So what's the user response going to be? How do I get more authentic content? How do I get content that I'm interested in? So I think AI is important, but the smart people are going to use AI as like an assistant in creating their content, but they're still going to realize like the basic principles remain. The content needs to be engaging. The content needs to be authentic. The content has to be something that your users want to watch or engage with or interact with. And AI does not solve that problem. It doesn't solve that problem and it isn't solving that problem. So that's just one angle of AI is the radical increase in clutter. If you ever, uh, there's a guy who does this marketunist, he has marketunist. Do we lose you? No, sorry. I mean, we just had people show up and I had to tell them uh, we were okay. here. So this is why we pre-record. So we, okay. No worries. We, we have the internet day. I'm like, oh, wow. You're I good. Sorry. Okay. Black cat walked across the screen twice. So I was freaked out there. Now I lost my train of thought. So what were we talking about? We're talking about chat. We're talking about AI, the clutter, the need to use it as a tool. You didn't say this, but I was hearing. We need to use it as a tool, not just rely on it to create more crappy content. So what's happening is the people who create authentic content are going to do better than the people who create a lot of crappy content, right? And the users are going to respond to this by becoming more selective. Oh, now, Marketunis, that's what I was talking about. So Marketunis, I can't think of the guy's name, he has these hilarious contents. And so he has one of these two, two frame, two frame cartoons. And it's like mm -hmm. the marketing meeting. They say, hey, really good news that our AI generated content is getting lots of engagement on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, whatever. And then the next frame is like really bad news. Most of that engagement is becoming from bots. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, nothing is new under this. And I think AI is a tool that we can use, but the basic rules of marketing and content still apply. You've got to create content that people like, which is back to the party. AI exactly. is easier to throw a party. If your topics suck, they suck. I and love that, that analogy. Doesn't work, right? So you've got to create good, good entertainment, good vibe to the party. There's a lot of je ne sais quoi in creating a good party. And that hasn't changed. And AI is just, no, that just a tool. Art. Makes perfect sense. I, I love the way you say that and you compare that because I think that's been one of the big discussions I've been having. I love the new AI tools, but again, they're tools. They're not, they don't solve, it's not an easy button, so to speak. It doesn't solve everything that's there.
like you said, it makes it easier to throw that party. But if the food stinks and the band's no good, it doesn't matter that you threw a party. To use another analogy here, and this is in, I have a book on SEO and search engine optimization. And that book has talked about local SEO and then my social media book as well. Now I moved all of my discussion on reviews and everything that's in my SEO book, but here's what I want to say, right? So you have a business owner, they have a lot of problem with Yelp. They have a lot of crappy Yelp reviews. People hate them on Yelp. And what does a business owner say? Oh, I hate Yelp. Yelp's terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Hold on a second. If you have a consistent flow of bad reviews, you have a business problem. You don't have a Yelp problem. And the reason I think this is relevant to any discussion of AI is if you create a lot of crappy content that no one wants, you're just creating crappy content and that you don't have a content machine, like how am I using AI problem? You just have a content problem because your content sucks. Your story sucks. If you go to some of these Hollywood movies sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed a couple of the Star Wars franchise, maybe Avatar might fit this if you're not an Avatar fan. A lot of technical glitz, but the story sucks. There is no mm -hmm. story. And so you're just like, I'm not really engaged with this movie, even though the technical gee whiz stuff is awesome, but there's no story here. There's no people here, right? So content 101, right? Technology does not solve the problem of creating authentic, engaging content for your target buyer. Totally. Yeah. That brings up a question. And this is not something I'd planned to ask, but you, as I mentioned, I like to be conversational. So one of the things I know that we often talk to people about in, as far as clients and even our internally, as we're creating content is not to give up too soon. I can't tell you how many clients over the 15 plus years I've been in the business, you go, I wrote four blog posts and nobody commented on them. Nobody did anything. So I stopped because it's not worth it. Now, we also know that, like you said, if we create rotten content at some point, we know our content's no good because people aren't watching that. From your perspective, Jason, where does that cross point exist or how do we as a business owner, as a marketer, how do we determine? What's enough content to validate that we're out there? Because again, four blog posts is not enough. At the same point, if I've been doing videos every day for three years and I'm still only getting 27 views, it's probably my content. It's not because of anything else. Where do you see that inflection point where we can tell it's the content, not the time or vice versa? Yeah. So I don't think there's a, I wouldn't look at it that way. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule. Okay. Uh, about what, here's what I would think. Here, here's what I would do. And I do this when I teach classes, I work with people, right? And I, I very much took it. This is one of the reasons I didn't become academic. I'm a very common sense, down and dirty in the trenches. Let's actually make this work person. And again, let me throw some shade on the academics. They're lost in cyberspace on some of this stuff. Right? So, mm -hmm. so here's what I would say. You have to look at the world from the perspective of your customer. Mm. And it's so obvious, right? Everyone says this, but it's true. Take your video and look at it completely from the perspective of your target viewer, your target customer, your target prospect. And if you look at that video or that blog post or that tweet, and you're like, this is boring, this sucks, right? then of course it's not going to work. And that's where I think people 
marketers. I mean, it's so, some of the stuff I, and sometimes I feel like I really get paid for telling people like obvious things, right? Look at the world from the perspective of your customer, which means they're busy, which means Google's cluttered, which means YouTube's cluttered, which means they're on YouTube to have fun, to learn something, to watch a trend, whatever. They're not really on YouTube to watch a 25 minute thing about your boring product. You have to look at it from that perspective. And then you can have a few videos that do really well because you meet all those parameters. You can have a thousand videos that suck because you never meet those parameters. And that's where I think you've got to look at it. So, you know, what do they say when you're digging a hole? First thing is stop digging. So if you're producing like 25 YouTube videos and you've only got 12 views, stop producing them. They're worthless, right? And look at it. But the whole thing is look at it from that perspective of that customer. Now, I, if you go on YouTube, watch this unicorn hoops for porta pot or for the toilet thing, right? Yes, uh, yes, the squatty potty. Squatty potty, thank you. Go watch some of these videos or the your soap sucks from that soap shock thing, right? Some of the YouTube video commercial infomercial thing that really have massive engagement, you watch them, they are 99% entertainment and 1% by the product, okay? And we live increasingly in an entertainment-driven content ecosystem. So you've got, to do, you've got to wrap your head around that. And so I don't, I hate it when people say, what's the best time of day to post on Facebook? The answer is when you've got something good to say, that's the best time. Great advice. No, great advice. I love that. I really do. I think that's, and I appreciate your perspective on sometimes how simple the answer is. It's putting yourself in the place of the audience. To me, that leads to a next question that you and I talked a little bit about pre-call. And that's a, a, one of those other simple, but almost scary, simple skills. And that's, if you know the question, you can Google the answer. Yeah. And we were just talking about this with our management team the other day, and I don't know how this relates, but I'd love your thoughts. One of the things we often look for when we're hiring isn't the expertise to have memorized every fact and everything you can do, but we want to hire people that have the skill to be able to boil down what the issue is and then do the research, which generally means Googling it and maybe doing that four or five times to, to get the answer. And I think that's a skill that while it's really simple, I think it's a skill that a lot of people haven't honed well. And I'd love to get your perspective on that, Jason. Yeah. So I like to speak jokes when I teach classes. So I'll teach Facebook and I'll say, okay, you've got Facebook business manager, or you have how to pin a post, or you have how, what is the concept of a check-in on Facebook and how would you use it for marketing? And so you get the quiet in the Zoom call and say, okay, hold on. I'm going to show you this incredible website that is really useful for this. I want you to write this down. It's called Google. Yes. <laughs> you go to Google and you type in how to pin a post on Facebook and you search for it and you will find out that people have created blog posts and YouTube videos and whatnot on how to do this. Once you know there's a question that you want to understand, how can I use chat GPT to write a blog post? You can Google the answer. And then I say, there's this other website. I want you to bookmark this one. Super useful. It's called YouTube. And you yes. go to YouTube and you put in 
how do I do A-B testing on Google ads or Facebook ads manager? And you're going to find a bunch of wonderful people who created useful YouTube videos on it. So it's so important to frame the question and then to be a good Googler, a good YouTuber, those are the two best ones, to look for the answer. But you have to frame the question. You have to see like, what, how do I do a duet on TikTok? What, first you have to realize, what is a duet on TikTok? Yes. Then you have to realize, oh, other people are doing this and they're using it for marketing purposes. And then I can Google whatever, how to do a duet, or I can look it up on TikTok. And then I know, now I know what I want to do. How do I learn to do it? And that is, because people come to me and they're like, I want to learn every technical skill on Facebook. You're like, no, you really don't. You want to learn how to look at Facebook and understand what you're trying to accomplish and learn how to do it. So I try to, the whole give a man a fish versus teach him to be a fisherman type of thing. Or a fisherman, if we're being politically correct. Yeah, very, very practical though and relevant, I think, to where people are at right now and the importance of that. Because there's too much information out there. Yeah, just absolutely. Mad. And they change, the changes are, especially at a technical level, are pretty rapid. So you've got to become a good critic. I always tell people, it's like an art class. You've got to become an art critic. And you look at a still life and you say, why is the salmon next to the, the tomato? And you know that you have to be able to look at what other people are doing, reverse engineer it, ask the questions, learn how to do it yourself. And that skill is more powerful than any book. Absolutely. I know one of the other books you've written has been on SEO and I, or I'm sorry, on, on pay-per-click and Google ads. I'd love your perspective. We've seen ads ebb and flow over the years and lots of things going on. If you can talk to me a little bit about that decline and the rise of ads and the use of what you refer to as anchor content with ads via super fans. Can you share a little bit about that from your perspective, from the ad side of things, Jason? Yeah. So I do a lot of ads. I don't teach a class in ads because ads are boring. <laughs> and the Google ads interface is teaching someone how to use TurboTax. Kill me now. It's a horrible, garbage, difficult, rotten product until you read, until you start to use Facebook ads manager. And then you're like, wow, Google ads is really easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the great thing about Facebook is it sucks so badly that it makes you really appreciate how well-run Google is as a company. So with that caveat, right, a couple of things I would say here. First and foremost, when you're talking about ads, right, all of the providers, Facebook, Google, TikTok, they all have a massive vested interest in getting you to spend more money. So all of the interfaces, whatever the question is, the answer is spend more money. That's the answer in the platform. Okay, so you've got to go into those ads with a certain degree of cynicism about how the ad platforms work. Okay, now within that perspective, to just talk about strategies, if you, and I do this for some of my clients, if you, you could create a thousand YouTube videos, you could try to do organic, good for you. But sometimes you have a video that's really more of an ad, that's really more of a hard hit by my staff, yeah, it needs to be funny. Yeah, it needs to be engaging. It needs to be hip, of course. It needs to be good content. But a better strategy is often create some content, put some ad dollars behind it on YouTube, for instance, right, which is run by Google. 
obviously try to get it to have some organic legs, right? Make it engaging. So your super fans, the people who love your brand, who love your corporation, who eat your Chipotle beef burrito every day for lunch, right? They're going to not only see the ad, but they're going to share, comment, and like it and share it to their friends. So some anchor pieces of content with some ad dollars behind them can often do better than a ton of attempts at organic reach. So I am not anti-ad at all. I love ads. Ads are very much part of my toolbox, toolbox. But you can be strategic in how you use ads on all of the platforms and they should be part of the mix. Sunny thing with marketing and social, people are often very resistant to spending money on ads. And I will have clients who are like, God, I just, oh my God, we're spending $400 a month on ads. And I'm like, okay, hold on a second. It's $400. Have you been to the grocery store lately? <laughs> yes. <laughs> $400 is nothing, right? And so to me, one of the things on ads is you have to break through the resistance with your management that everything should be free because that's not how this works. And here's, a, here's another earth-shattering revelation. Time is money. Mm. So if you have to spend... A thousand hours creating organic content, or you can spend a hundred hours creating ad-based content or, oh, wow, be super smart synergy between ads and organic, you're way better off. So I don't just shoot the baby as it's out of the bathwater and not do ads. So I think ads have their place. I think ads are a very important part and using a little ad dollar behind some organic can really help you. And then back to super fans, that comes from Pat Flynn. You want to really read a really good book. Mm. Go to Amazon and look for super fans by Pat Flynn. Excellent author, excellent speaker, way smarter than I am. He really makes you see that you have super fans. And those are the people that absolutely love your brand. And you want to cuddle and coddle and love those people because you can really work with them to push your brand message. So super fans, very important ads, important and capitalism, they're making money. So be a little cynical, but yeah. Tremendous advice and really appreciate your perspective on remembering and going in with a bit of cynicism that yes, Google's there to help you. Facebook's there to help you, but their ultimate goal is to get you to spend more money. And so that's an important caveat to understand when yeah. you head down that road and also think- know that if the payback's there, it's great. Yeah. So let me just interrupt you for a second. So I am a Berkeley graduate. So I have Berkeley PhD, right? So hashtag world communist revolution, right? Sign me up. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, and I'm saying this is, and I teach for Stanford. Stanford's like money bags university. If you've ever been to the Bay Area, like contrast Palo Alto, mm-hmm. we're looking at our Shibley and we're looking at our Teslas and Berkeley, which is insane. And there's a protest tomorrow and there's the tires are burning and on Telegraph. What is amazing to me about how the world changed is when I was in school, corporations were evil and we Mm -hmm. didn't believe them. We were like, capitalism, bad. Don't believe Bank of America, bad. And nowadays people will naively be like, Google's healthy. (laughs) Yes. Mark Zuckerberg truly wants success for me. No, he doesn't. He's trying to make money. So to me, have some cynicism and go capitalism. I love capitalism. I'm actually not a communist, but have some cynicism. And it is amazing to me if 
for all you little millennials and Gen Zs out there, it is amazing to me how naive the young generation is about corporations in general. I thought they were all evil. I still think they're all evil. So be cynical about that as a marketer, Facebook, Google, they're all really designed to get you to advertise. Don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And think that ads are horrible, but just be cognizant of the infrastructure that you're working in. And that, it is a mind-blowing thing as you get older is like what, how the world can change in unexpected ways. If you told me in 1992 that people would think that corporations are good, it's never, never going to happen. <laughs> no, so true. <laughs> and Jason, great segue into to one other question I want to ask you about. And I'm going to take a bit of a turn here. But we were talking in the pre-call a little bit about expert witnessing. And in my mind, that kind of fits in with bad corporate, bad whomever, because obviously we're talking courtrooms. And I know it's not always bad, though sometimes it's just disagreement. But while I don't want you to share any, any secrets, tell us a little bit about what is it like to be a specialty witness in this area of yeah. marketing and search and ads, because that's not something most of us even consider. And I think it's very intriguing. It is very intriguing. So several things here. One thing I say is a business, and I saw this in reference to Steve Jobs one time, and his point was your customers or the people that you're interacting with may see a business opportunity that you don't foresee. So a little history here. So when the Apple PCs came out with them, they came out with their first Macintosh computer, mm -hmm. they did not actually know that printing and desktop printing and the whole like graphical user interface and Adobe and all that would be their sweet spot. They did not know that at Apple. They created the product and then they realized all of these people are using it. This is the desktop publishing revolution. And that came out of nowhere. And then they said, wow, people are using our stuff for this. That's great. Let's grow that part of our business that we did not anticipate in advance. Now, the reason mm -hmm. I say that is I never thought I would be an expert witness. I never thought that. And then I got a call out of the blue one day and they were like, we're having a trademark dispute. Two companies arguing over a trademark and we need someone who can explain how ads work on Google. And I was like, I can do that. And mm -hmm. then, okay. And then you just learn the rope. So I have a lot of inquiries now to trademarks. Number one, company A, company B, they're arguing over trademarks and they need a technical expert to explain how to ads work on Google or Facebook or whatever, or maybe organic. Right. So I got pulled into that business. I love it because it's very fact-based and I'm a very fact-based expert witness. I really look at the facts and I'm not just a cheap, you can buy me type of person. And mm -hmm. you really have to look at the facts and understand the facts. And then you have to be able to explain those facts to a judge and jury. It's heavy. It's a lot like marketing, right? It's like persuasion. Absolutely. And I'm not saying make things up. You have to be good, but to explain something needs to really know the facts and then to be able to explain how those work in the real world. It can be a very lucrative side gig. If you're a business owner, if you're a plumber, you could have a side gig as being an expert witness plumber, and you can make very good money doing it. So it's a good side gig for people who have an expertise on something. And there's some marketing involved in how to get going in it. So that's really good in it. The other thing that's really good about it is because I've been in a lot of litigation at this point, 
I've seen a lot of massive projects that I would never have seen before. And Interesting. I've, seen of, I've seen a lot of train wrecks. <laughs> I bet. That was dumb. So I learn a lot from it. And another thing I like is think about habit stacking or skill stacking. So if you have a skill in one thing, online advertising, and then you get a skill in another thing, expert witness, and you get a skill in another thing, book publishing, you start to have a lot of 2x, 3x multiplications in those. So expert witness is a good gig if you have a technical skill. I highly recommend it. It's an excellent way to make money and it's super interesting. Very cool. I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's so interesting and something fun to learn about. Jason, as we talked up front, obviously the name of our podcast is the 91 Day Success Podcast. And I love talking to marketers and business leaders like yourself and asking them a simple question. If you had virtually everything you have today, you got your house, your health, your knowledge, but you lost your network and the only thing you had monetarily was $1,000 to your name and you were going to go out and start a business, what would you do in the first 91 days? to try to make that business a success? I would take my phone and I would become a TikTok influencer. Oh, I love it. I would become a TikTok influencer. And I mean that kind of short form video, informative video, the synergies between a good TikTok presence in a book publishing business, a good TikTok presence in a paid training business, a good TikTok presence in marketing and advertising, right? Good TikTok business and becoming the next president of the United States if you're that crazy, right? This sort of video algorithmic growth of things is the future of content. And I would go to my desert island for 20 days and I would really master the art of short form video and do it. And again, back to my expert witness stuff, I have seen people who have the absolute dumbest content make zillions of dollars selling merchandise, selling hoodies, selling <laughs> big crap. And it's because they have this publicity engine in their personal brand. So that's that I think that short form video, personal branding, the AI based algorithm, that this is the future of where we are. And that's where I think there's a tremendous opportunity there for, for brand. The other thing about it is funny. It's also there for understanding like philosophy. So I am mm. a Christian person. I watch a lot of theology. I like philosophy. There's a whole YouTube TikTok culture of the great conversations, the great arguments. Oh, yes. Is there a God? Is there not a God? Is there good? Is there not a good? All this kind of thing on these platforms. So if you didn't, you don't have to make money, but if you wanted to be a philosopher king, you could do it on TikTok today. Mm. And it wouldn't be a monetary thing, but you would have a very engaged audience. There's a lot of people on YouTube who are very engaged with sort of basic philosophy questions. And you go, damn that. I have learned so much from YouTube philosophy. <laughs> I learned more than 
then from Berkeley and a lot of that stuff. So I think sure. there's a lot of opportunity there, a lot of opportunity in, in, in a lot of different ways. So a lot of cool stuff. I love that insight. I think that's great. And I think it's so timely with where we're at with AI and short form video and people's attention spans being somewhat shorter than a gnat. I think all of that fits in so well. Jason, obviously we're going to link out to your website and, and that if people are interested in learning more about you as a consultant and how you can help them or your books, what's the best way, let's assume they're driving down the road right now. So they don't necessarily see the links we're going to put up. What's the best way for them to go ahead and reach out to you, Jason? Uh, super easy. So you can just Google my name, Google Jason McDonald, and I'm at the top of Google for my name. You can go to Amazon and put in SEO. You can put in social media. You can put in Google ads on Amazon. You'll find my books. So I am a search marketer and I rank really high for really obvious search terms, <laughs> including my name. And there's a baseball player and he's got six pack abs and stuff. But you know what? Revenge of the nerds. I outranked him. <laughs> so just Google Jason McDonald or go to Amazon and look up social media and you'll see my books there. And then you can, and I questions from my books all day long. So I'm, I do questions and I send out free review copies. So if you are watching this podcast and you say, Hey, I want a free review copy. I will send you one. I give out books like candy. That's part of my marketing strategy. Great idea. Let me tell you, if you're serious about social media and gaining a better understanding, Jason's new workbook is fantastic on social media. I encourage you to go out and pick that up and do him a favor. If you're not going to review it, buy it. It's not expensive. It's a fantastic book, great resources, and well worth the few dollars that it costs. A personal recommendation for that. It's a great book. And Jason, I just want to thank you for your time today, for joining us, for the tremendous knowledge that you've shared. Just really amazing. And for taking the time again to be with us today. I know my audience appreciates it. And I'm very thankful for just your contributions. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's always fun enjoy doing it. So I'm honored. Well, again, thank you. If you've been watching, we want to thank you as well for joining us here for this, this podcast. As you know, we love to tell stories and ask questions of successful business people and leaders. If you know someone that should be interviewed on the podcast, feel free to recommend them. We'd love to reach out and ask them to join us as well and hear their story. With that, make it a great day, everyone.